Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. We do like eight episodes a week. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Yeah, I might be under the weather. That's not going to stop me from bringing you a bunch of episodes. This will be the Monday Night Football Preview Show, Vikings-Packers. Also, Jared Dubin's going to talk about uh, a little bit about the Cowboys, because he's a Cowboys fan, wants to vent some. Well-deserved. Uh, there will be another show in the feed with Jason Lockenfora. We talked for a long time about the uh, the Cowboys as well, the Browns, their coaching situation, uh, the Jaguars, their situation, what the Raiders could do with Derek Carr, and much more. Then coming on Tuesday will be Monday Night Football Review. We also talked to uh, Jonathan Jones about the Patriots and, and the Eagles games that he was at. Then on Wednesday for Christmas Day, we have a 90-minute mailbag that was pre-recorded, so you won't have to hear my uh, nasally voice talking for 90 minutes. And then on Thursday, we have a Hall of Fame debate show that is pre-recorded as well. Be back Friday with our pick show. So that's very exciting. Now, however, let's preview Monday Night Football with Jared Dubin. Dubs, what's up? Uh, hey, man. Uh, the good thing about Jason Garrett jokes is that nobody can crack on Jason Garrett more than me. Like, you're not going to make me upset by making Jason Garrett jokes. Like, I've been making these jokes for legit, like, eight years. So, uh, I'll, I'll make them with anybody. Is this it? And is this it? Is this, I mean, the is thing it? is, I couldn't even be happy with that loss yesterday because I'm not convinced that Jerry will actually fire him. Like, I feel like he's still looking for an excuse to keep him like, Oh, clearly Dak's shoulder wasn't right. And if, if everybody was healthy then the, then they would have won the game. And like, I, I don't trust Jerry to just let go of this thing. So I just, Oh God, it's just terrible. Well, man. He, he has to let I mean, now, so I've already recorded with JLC when we're talking, and you can go back and listen to the whole thing if you want. I forgot to mention, we also talk about the Cowboys job for at length. Um, it actually makes sense if you're Jerry Jones. A, because like it, 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 there's no reason to fire Jason Garrett between week 16 and week 17. Not only because, you know, you could still make the playoffs and, you know, I mean, if you're going to give him 16 weeks, just give him 17 and see what happens. Uh, but, if you want to chase after Lincoln Riley and whether or not you think that is a good thing is irrelevant, but if you want to chase after Lincoln Riley, uh, he plays on Saturday, December 28th, right? And the Cowboys play on Sunday, December 29th. So it's, there's a good chance both the Oklahoma Sooners and the Dallas Cowboys will be eliminated from the postseason, uh, within 24 hours of each other. So in theory, you could make your move on Lincoln Riley there. JLC and I talked about that a little bit. Uh, your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, look, Lincoln Riley would be fine by me. Greg Roman would be fine by me. Matt Rule would be fine by me. Really, anybody other than Jason Garrett would be fine by me at this point. Like, you could coach the team, and I would be fine with that at this point. Um, he looked jaundiced on the sidelines. Like, he, like he went from, like, he was, like, flustered in week seven, and then he was, like, pale by week 12, and now he's, like, turning yellow. Like, I think the stress is getting to him. 
Yeah, I mean, look, the, the thing is, it never should have gotten to this point. Like, not just in this season. Like, there were three or four different times that you could pinpoint where you should have been fired after a specific game. But the idea that he was still the coach by this season is pretty crazy to me. I mean, he was a guy who was brought in to be the offensive play caller who had play calling duties stripped from him after, I think, two or three full seasons as the head coach. So he hasn't called plays since like 2012 or 2013. He's never been the defensive coach. He's, you know, had his assistants brought in for him for a while now. Like, he didn't choose to bring in Chris Richard or Rod Marinelli or Kellen Moore or like pretty much anybody else on the staff. Essentially, his only responsibilities are managing the clock, calling timeouts, making fourth down and two point conversion decisions, and like keeping order on the team and not having his guys get suspended or arrested. And he's like terrible at all of those things. He's been <laughs> one of the worst clock management guys in the league since he took over. He openly admits that he does not get all the information when making his fourth down and two-point conversion decisions. Not only does he not get the information, he doesn't want the information. Like, it's it's one thing to say, oh, you know, analytically, we should go on fourth down here, but for this, this, and this reason, you know, I don't think it's a good idea, so we're going to punt, even though it says, you know, 55% chance we should go for it. It's another thing to just say, I don't want that information because I think we should punt and if there's information that conflicts with what I think, I don't want to be seen as going against it. And that's what Jason Garrett does all the time. He he admitted it in a in a press conference. He admitted it on the radio. It's just you're openly rejecting information that can make your team better for really no reason at all. Um, and again, I mean, the Cowboys get somebody on their defensive line suspended or arrested like every three weeks. I mean, <laughs> it's amazing. Jason Garrett loves to talk about having the right kind of guys on the team. I don't think the right kind of guys get suspended as often as Cowboys have gotten suspended during his tenure. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's talk about the Vikings, and the Packers. Are you? Are you? Oh, too... we're not going to keep going on this. <laughs> well, I'll let you. I'll no, let you I mean, unload it's, it's as much as you want for a while. I yeah. mean, uh, for me, I would be okay. Like, don't bring back any single person on the coaching staff. I don't care if that means mm. you lose Kellen Moore too. Like, whatever the the, the entire staff. Has Kellen Moore, to be has Kellen revamped. Moore, has Kellen Moore definitely been good this year? <laughs> I mean, the Cowboys have the number two offense by yeah. DVOA in the league. I'm pretty sure he's been good. Who do you think is calling these friggin' option plays? Is it Kellen Moore or is it Jason Garrett? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 don't, I doubt it's Jason Garrett. An option is way too inventive for him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but seriously, I tweeted this during the game. They run that sprint option to the left three times in the last four weeks. It never and works. they gained a total of like negative three yards and a fumble. They ran it, like, they ran it against horrible. the Patriots in the pouring down rain with like crazy winds and like slippery, like sloppy conditions. Yeah, like, they ran it against Chicago too. And then they, yeah, and like, and then they, like, in a critical spot, they ran it against the Eagles. Like, but what do you, do? it's, it's weird that he keeps doing that. I, I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't get it. Um, uh, it doesn't make sense. It, it just doesn't it's a seem bad like team coached poorly. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, but it's a good thing that they didn't spend a colossal sum of money to lock up a player at a position that doesn't matter. That was Zeke Elliott. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they got that going for him. Tony Pollard fumbled though in a critical spot. He um, did. Uh, but the, I don't understand the criticism that Zeke wasn't on the field in that spot. Like Zeke himself motioned to come off the field and sat himself on the bench. Like fair. you can't yeah. criticize them for taking Zeke off the field when he was like, "Take me off the field," because his head got 
shoved into the turf on first down. Like, Fair. don't run an option in that spot, but also, like, the one thing you can't criticize them for, it's the same thing earlier in the season, Zeke motioned to come off the field on a play in the red zone also. I think we might have been in the Patriots game, um, and everybody was criticizing them for that too. There are more than enough things you can criticize Jason Garrett for without criticizing him for a player taking himself out of the game. That's, that is, that is fair. Um, all right, let's talk about the Packers and the Vikings before my voice goes. This is a huge game. Sort of. Oh, yeah. Sort of. I mean, it is. Yeah, I mean, Both, uh, so, so, Stephen O's, the sports line, uh, projections only have the Vikings with a 12.5% chance to win the division. Yeah. But, I mean, 12.5%, that's what, one out of eight? Yeah, I so mean, here are the scenarios. The Vikings, if they win, and they win in week 17 against the Bears, and the Packers lose, lose to the Lions in week 17, which is unlikely. This is where the 12% comes from. The Vikings would win the division. If the Packers win either of these games, the Packers will win the division. And, right. um, let me bring up my NFL playoff scenarios, uh, which I should have had open. with the Seahawks loss. The Vikings can get the five seed still, right? The Vikings can still get the two seed, but yes, they can definitely get the five seed. So I mean, w- like without winning the division. So here's here's how this would work for the Vikings. They can get the uh, yeah. So if they they can get the two or three seed if they win the division, that's as high as they can go. The four seed is obviously locked to Philly or Dallas. Um, if uh, let's be honest, it's right. locked to Philly. Probably weirder things have happened, but yes. Um, if the Vikings win out. The Saints beat the Panthers in week 17 and the Packers lose to the Lions. Uh, Minnesota would be the number three seed. Essentially, they can't win the NFC North without the Packers losing both their remaining games and the Packers hold a bigger big match, blah, 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 blah. Um, and if, if they win both and the Seahawks, they this, need the so, Seahawks to lose to get the five or they can get the five without the Seahawks. Yeah. Losing. So to get the five seed, um, if the Packers beat the Lions, no, if the Vikings win out, they're the five seed no matter what. Oh, really? Yeah. So the Seahawks would be the six if the Vikings went out. That's yeah, because because if the Vikings went out, they would get to 12 wins, and the Seahawks are at 11 right now because they lost. So if the Seahawks lose in Week 17, the most they can get is 11 wins. Right. Um, whereas if – But what if the Seahawks win? If the Next Seahawks win, yes. If the Seahawks win and the Vikings win out is what the question is, right? Right. They'd both be 12 and 4, right? And the Packers beat the Lions. Uh, yes. And the Vikings would actually beat the 49ers in the tiebreaker based on win percentage in common games. And uh, what about the Seahawks though? That's who they'd be tied with. No, 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 no. So if the Seahawks win, if the Seahawks win in, on Sunday night in week 17 over the 49ers, the Seahawks will Oh, I forgot they played the 49ers right. next week. I thought they yeah. played the Rams for some reason, even though that was right. last week. So Breach and I had this whole, um, the debate about it during, like, off, offline. Well, cause we're not debate. We we're just like trying to figure it out. So we've actually, um, I'm trying to find, I wrote it down, but basically the Vikings will beat, if the Seahawks lose, this is all assuming the Vikings went out. If the Seahawks lose, they will have 11 wins and the Vikings will have 12. So the Vikings would be the five seed over them. If the, if the 49ers win and the Vikings went out, the Vikings will beat them 
or excuse me, if the 49ers lose and the Vikings win out, the Vikings will beat them on common games because the the 49ers will have lost to the Seahawks uh twice and the the uh the Falcons once. And so they have a 2 and 3 record in their common games versus 3 and 2 for the Vikings. <sighs> <laughs> it's this actually tiebreaker stuff, man. When there's it's four or five teams, I mean, there's really five teams potentially involved in these tiebreakers in the NFC. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's wild. It's the, uh, Sunday in Week 16 cleared up a lot, though. Like, if the Vikings lose once, they're the six seed, and that's done. If they win out, they're the five seed. Does that make sense? Yeah. And if they if, well, if they, they if they win out, they're not necessarily the five seed. They could be the two or the three seed. Right, right, right. Well, but to be the two or three seed, that requires the Packers to win. So, my question to you: How motivated do you think the Green Bay Packers will be on Monday night tonight? I think they're going to be pretty motivated. Like they could end this thing right now, and they could have a chance uh, to get the the one or the two. Right? That if is they correct. Win. Yes. Uh, yeah. If the Packers win out, they can get the one seed. If the 49ers lose to the Seahawks. However, if the Niners win, the best the Packers can do is the number two seed. But still, they have an opportunity to, to make, you know, to, to have home field or have, uh, you know, a bye. I mean, like, it's, that's all on the table. Um, if the, if the Packers win out, they'll be the two seed minimum. If the Packers win out and the Seahawks win in week 17, then they'll be the one seed. And how did the Saints play into all this? Man, I really should have like looked all of this up before we got on. I was writing the preview though. This well, is like, there's so much going on here. Fortunately, I wrote this story that's up on the, the website right now where oh, good. We're basically <laughs> breaking down everything. Um, the Saints are rooting for the Vikings and the Seahawks. If New Orleans beats the Panthers, Minnesota beats Green Bay and Seattle beats San Francisco, the Saints are the one seed. You know what I feel like right now? I feel like we're in basketball where they're explaining all the tiebreakers. <laughs> In and the east, south, west, north division. And that's <laughs> and then the Jazz moved to Utah where they don't allow music of any kind. Remember that line from basketball? Of course. What a great scene. I love basketball. Um Did I uh, Alright, so anyway, the twelve point five percent chance, I feel like that's probably why they're holding both Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison out of this game. And we're getting, you know, preseason superstar Mike Boone. It's just it's just pretty unlikely that they're going to get the the two or three, and if they're going to be in uh, in the wild card game anyway, um, you might as well make sure these guys are healthy by the time you get to the playoffs. I'm with you. I mean, I think Dalvin Cook is a no brainer. Like you're in the playoffs, you know, you're not going to like Dalvin is not going to put you over the top. Right? Like, I mean, he's not gonna, like, just play Mike Boone. Mike Boone's good. Mike Boone, Dalvin Cook called Mike Boone a clone of me. Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody on team preseason loves Mike Boone. Uh, 90 carries for 391 yards, three touchdowns, 13 catches for 145 yards, uh, all that in two years of preseason games. Only 32 carries in regular season games, but 144 yards on those 32 carries, four and a half yards per carry i mean it seems like he's done pretty well so far um granted he has uh not rookie of the year garrett bradbury blocking <laughs> for him multiple, up front. multiple shots um, at me in the, the last two days not, not just yeah. from you everybody the uh the thing that i'm interested in is obviously the vikings are such a run heavy offense um according to sharp football stats they have the third highest 
run rate in neutral situations, plus or minus 14 points, basically 47% of the time they run the ball. Are they going to do that still with Boone back there instead of Cook or Madison? You know, that's obviously an interesting thing to watch because they've just not really been a pass heavy team at any point during this season as, as well as Kirk Cousins has played. It actually re- reminds me a lot of the, the 2014 Cowboys team where DeMarco Murray ran the ball like 396 times, I think it was. Um, right. And, and Tony Romo had what was then his most efficient season, but just not really on a lot of volume. I think he like barely threw for 4,000 yards that year, which for him was a pretty low total at the time, considering how they'd run their offense before that. That's kind of what the Vikings have been like for a lot of this year. Just hand, obviously it's been, you know, not just Cook because they've tried to keep him healthy by getting Madison involved, you know, six, seven times a game too. But uh, I do wonder if they're going to say like, okay, Mike Boone, here's 25, 26 carries in this game. I mean, the, the Packers defense has been pretty easy to run on for most of the season, but when you're on your third string back, uh, it's a little bit different, and you might see a more pass-heavy approach than you're used to from them. Okay. Do um, you think it's going to be a bunch of play action? It should be. And, I mean, they have leaned into play action more than basically any other team in the NFL. The only team that does play action more often as a percentage of their dropbacks is the Ravens. And we know the Ravens are basically just leaning all into essentially – Everything that is most efficient analytically, they do play action more often than anybody else. They have motion at the snap more often than anybody else. They do different formations more often than anybody else. You know, the Vikings are right there behind them. Uh, second highest rate of play action, 34.7% of their passes have been play action since week five. Kirk Cousins, 149.1 passer rating on play action That's since good. week five. That's pretty good. Pretty unbelievable. 1,171 yards, 13 touchdowns, no picks. Um, the Green Bay defense has been pretty good against play action, but you've also just been able to throw on them uh, a lot more since that first few weeks when Jair Alexander looked like he was going to be like one of the two or three best corners in the league this year. Their their cornerbacks have fallen off a little bit since then, especially Kevin King. Like Kevin King, is, I think I looked it up earlier, he's been like a 127 passer rating since week seven or something like that. And, um, you know, when they've thrown to, when the Vikings have thrown to Stephon Diggs recently, it's basically just been an automatic 20 yards. I mean, 44 catches for 819 yards and four touchdowns since Thielen first got hurt in week six. So that's obviously a, a pretty huge run of games right there. Yeah. I mean, is Thielen playing in this game? Where are we at on that? I haven't even. Looked. I mean, he came back last week. Yeah, um, he, he only is. played 51% of snaps, but I mean, they won 39-10. So it's hard to read too much into that. I mean, even Diggs didn't play like the last 20 snaps of the game right. or something like that. He only played 71% of the snaps. So, I mean, I think that as long as he's healthy, I think we should see more of Thielen than we did last week. It seemed like they held him out for, you know, extra time this time around because he came back earlier in the season and then went out again after like two drives or something like that. So I feel like he's probably pretty close to full strength at this point. So we should see a bunch of him, I think. Is the Vikings defense good again? I don't know. I do think it's been better the last few weeks, but it's still to me like the run defense has been good all year. Um, the pass rush has been good all year. The linebackers have been pretty good all year. 
Harrison Smith has been his usual excellent self all year. It's basically just the corners have been like a disaster for most of the season. I mean, Xavier Rhodes, it's it's hard to tell that he's the same guy that he was a few years ago. 130.2 passer rating on throws in his direction this season at Pro Football Focus. I mean, that's one of like the five worst marks in the league. Trey Wayne's 111.4. Hasn't been much better. Mackenzie Alexander is at 92.5, but in the last like six or seven weeks, it's up in the 130s. Uh, Mike Hughes is at 95.8. He's been probably their best corner this year, and even 95.8 really isn't that good. Um, basically, the, the whole defense is good except for the corners. So it's 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 pretty interesting whether you want to consider them a good defense or not. Yeah, I mean they uh, they they've only lost two games since. September. And those games were a three point loss at Kansas City, albeit without Patrick Mahomes, which matters. Um, last second loss. And then a, uh, seven point loss that was much closer than that would indicate at Seattle in primetime. This, um, do you believe, do you believe the Kirk Cousins primetime narrative? Um, I mean, I believe that it has happened. I don't know <laughs> that I believe that, like, because he's 0 and 8. In primetime or whatever that he's like factually incapable of winning a primetime game. I think it's considerably more likely that, you know, when you play in primetime, you're more likely to play good teams and you're less likely to play well against good teams than you are against bad teams than that he's just for some reason incapable of playing at eight o'clock at night instead of four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so you don't think Kirk, Kirk Cousins just gets nervous and like panics? Is what you're saying? No, I don't think so. Like, I a, a lot of these type of narratives like that, I think, are more just about like the better team tends to win most games, and like he spent the majority of his career playing for Washington, which means he was very rarely on the better team. Um, yeah. Okay, I'm I'm with you. I think it's a I think it's a false narrative. This game is. Uh, let's talk about some props. Oh yeah, actually, you know what. Uh, or, wanna... I, I just want to go into one thing real quick. Well, no, we should mention Aaron Rodgers, the other quarterback in this game. I'm look yeah. again. I am I am flu ridden and just like and like all the meds are kicking in right now as we're recording too. And it's like you know you know when the, you know that wave of meds, cold meds kick in. You're like whoa, that's oh, what. Hell yeah, yeah. That's, hey, you got Dayquil. Uh some Dayquil, some Mucinex, um, some Sudafed. <laughs> it's a it's a real rush. You got here. cough drops? What kind of cough drops you got? <laughs> oh yeah, I got uh, some uh, some uh, meth cough drops. Um, no, nothing nothing legit. But uh, are we? Here's Debo's question from the rundown. This is a good one. And uh, Debo is flying, traveling today. This is why the podcast is so long. But uh, are we being too critical of Aaron Rodgers' season? I don't think so. I just I, I think especially on the road. I've got this uh, in the in the preview. I mean. He's averaging 6.3 yards per attempt in road games, 209 passing yards in those games. He hasn't gotten intercepted yet, but also seven of his 10 touchdowns on the road have come in two games. One of those was against the Matt Moore-led Chiefs, and one of those was the snow game against the Giants a couple weeks ago. Other than that, he's just been like straight up bad on the road all season. Mm. Um, and I don't think he's been as good at home as you would typically expect from him either. You know, a lot of that is because they're receivers. I mean, they had Devontae Adams out for, I think, five weeks. And, like, Marquez Valdez-Scantling might have just, like, dropped the reception on this podcast. He's dropped so many things this year. Geronimo Allison has five drops on 49 targets. 
Uh, Alan Lazard has like been in the rotation since that period where all the guys were injured, but I think he has a max of three targets since week 10. Uh, Jimmy Graham can't stay on the field. Mercedes Lewis is not a receiving option really. So Rogers is not really throwing to anybody of note, but that also hasn't really mattered for him a lot in the past. Um, so I just, he just hasn't been as good this year. That's not to say he's bad, but I think, you know, criticism of him as not being quite as, you know, elite as the truly elite quarterbacks in the league this season. I think that makes sense. He just has been, I think, more good than, you know, great. Okay. Do you, uh, over under Aaron Rodgers, 246 and a half passing yards in this game? Hmm. Um, you know, like I said, he's only averaging 209 on the road this year, which is really crazy to me. That is crazy. I, I do think you can throw on the Vikings, but a lot of it is attacking their corners. And, I mean, Devontae Adams has 64 yards or fewer in four of his six games since he came back. Doesn't really have many big plays. Averaging two full yards per catch less since he came back uh, than he was, you know, either last season or before his returns. Basically, they're just throwing to him within eight, ten yards of the line of scrimmage all the time. I don't know. I kind of feel like I want to go under, even though I do think you can throw on the Vikings. Yeah, I think you have to throw on the Vikings, honestly. Um, over under Kirk Cousins, 248 and a half passing yards. Um, I kind of want to go over there. I think you could throw a little bit on the Packers, too. I know that the better way to beat them is to run, but I mean, with, with Mike Boone out there, I don't think they're going to be quite as run heavy as they've been for most of the season. And I mean, Give me Stefan Diggs in a matchup with Kevin King. Give me uh, Kyle Rudolph in a matchup with the uh, 28th ranked unit by DVOA on passes to tight ends. So I, uh, I I think the Vikings can throw on them too. Cousins averaging, let's do five games, 252.8 yards per game over his last five games. Nine touchdowns, two interceptions. Man, he's 73% of his passes has been complete. He's having an awesome season. Like if you if you took his numbers and you gave them to Tom Brady, it would like slam dunk MVP. Well, maybe behind Lamar Jackson, but yeah, I don't think he would beat Lamar, sorry, sorry. but it would, a, he would certainly be talked about as one of the the top uh, candidates. I think an interesting thing is you know even in this season where the idea the the correct idea that play action passes are successful independent of whether your running game is successful or even whether you run it at all. Um, that has become more popular, especially as Chris Collinsworth has talked about it on like the last six or seven Sunday night broadcasts. Yeah. And yet still Kirk Cousins having this season, you know, buoyed so much by play action. A lot of it was like, oh, you know, well, it's play action all the time and they're such a run heavy team. It's, it's kind of interesting. Like, I don't know that he's necessarily the most valuable player on that team just because of how much of their offense really is based on Dalvin Cook being better than everybody else. Um, but I do think it's interesting that in the year we're coming more and more to accept that play action can be successful independent of the run game, that when Cousins is so successful with it, a lot of that is attributed to the success of their run game. You know? Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, it's, I, I'm with, it's, uh, somebody said, well, who's the Vikings? The Vikings played, um, the Chargers last week and it was on CBS. So I think Dan Fouts and Ian Eagle were, um, were calling that game. I think it was them, but they, uh, whoever was calling the game said, the Vikings don't have to establish a run. 
it's already established. <laughs> like, like they've, it's true. It is right. Like, you know, also, the, nobody has to establish the run. Right. Let's just, just throw it out there. You don't need to do it. Yeah. You don't. I mean, but like, like the, but like also, I mean, in all seriousness, like the idea that the Vikings are going to run the ball should be ever present in the minds of defensive coordinators and linebackers and safeties. I mean, it should not, oh, yeah. you know, it's not a, and, and so that's, that's a benefit. I mean, somebody needs to hire Kevin Stefanski this offseason. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, a couple of people have been talking about him to the Panthers, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, analytically, that would make a lot of sense. I think Greg Roman and Kevin Stefanski are probably the two guys that they're eyeing the most in terms of can we hire an OC who can be creative and come in and, but like, and not to get off on a tangent here, but also, you know, part of this is, I think, I think teams need to be smarter about not hiring X's and O's guys. Like don't hire a head coach because he's good at X's and O's. Now you want to hire somebody who's willing to blend analytics and bring in the right offensive mind to help him call the plays. But you know what I'm saying? Like, like the, like the Browns need a CEO. They don't need a. I would say don't hire a guy who's just an X's and O's guy. Right, right, it's, right, right, right It's good right. to have someone who's an X's and O's guy. Sean McVay is an X's and O's guy, but he's not just that. Right. You know, well, Bill yeah. Belichick obviously on defense particularly is an X's and O's guy, but he obviously does a whole lot more than that. Right. You know, the idea that you're going to hire a guy just because he's a play caller, I think that's where, that's where teams the get mistake wrong. comes in. That absolutely, that, that's what I meant. You phrased it better. Um, like John Harbaugh, special teams coach. He's doing okay. Um, what do you think the odds are that we see a special teams coach become a head coach anytime in the near future, though? I feel like he might have been the last one yeah. to do that. Um, and it's it's just not very common anymore. The, and realistically, at this point, the most notable special teams coaches usually are the guys whose special teams units are bad. But, I mean, the, the most notable one is Dave Taub from Kansas City, Kansas yeah. City, who's been like the best special teams coach in the league for 20 years. Um, I would be fine with him getting a head coaching job. Um, certainly seems to be able to lead a unit making up of players from offenses and defenses. That unit has been, whether it was in Chicago or Kansas City, one of the best in the league for a long time. And then obviously the other one is, uh, is John Fossil with the Rams. Yeah. And that's mostly he's notable because he has a brother hunter who's basically oh, yeah. a quarterback. Yeah. Johnny Hacker. And he has a brother who's a head coach for a long time. By the way, I mean, like, so. John Harbaugh was a college coach at like Cincinnati and Indiana. And then he was hired by Andy Reid in 1998 with the Eagles as a special teams coordinator. And he was, he was in that role for six years. And then he got the Eagles job. I mean, the Ravens job. So it's like, oh no, he was hired by Ray Rhodes. Actually. I forgot about that. Interesting. Oh my God. And Have you, he like, also got the Ravens job after who turned it down? Drum roll, please. Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett the, turned um, down the Ravens and one other team. I can't remember who. Yeah. Maybe uh, the Vikings? That 98 Eagles team with John Harbaugh had Sean Payton as the quarterback's coach, uh, Joe Vitt as linebacker's coach, Ken Zampezi as offensive assistant, Bill Musgrave, uh, offensive assistant head coach. So when Andy Reid came in the next year in 99, Andy Reid retained him. Man, he had a, he had on that 99 Eagles team, we're going off on a total tangent here, but Andy <laughs> Reid's assistants were Juan Castillo, Brad Childress, Leslie Frazier, John Harbaugh, Sean McDermott, Ron Rivera, Pat Shermer, and Steve Spagnolo. In addition to Jim Johnson as the defensive coordinator. <laughs> That's pretty ridiculous. That's crazy, man. Um, so many of those guys became head coaches too. I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, all, every single one of them did because Spags ran the, Oh, right. For the Rams. Yeah, for the Rams. I mean, that's, 
I mean, all that coaching the, staff. He was yeah. the interim for the Giants a couple years ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, t- Castillo didn't because he was moved to like defensive coordinator for some weird reason. Um, right. Then, uh, but Childress got a job with the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Leslie Frazier got a job with the Vikings. Harbaugh got the Ravens' job. McDermott got the job with the Panther. Remember, McDermott was because Jim Johnson died, and McDermott was promoted to defensive coordinator. And Philly fans like hated him because he wasn't good enough at uh, like they didn't think he was good enough to replace Jim Johnson. So they like ran him out of town. Uh, and then Ron Rivera, of course, Panthers gig. McDermott he hired McDermott. McDermott goes to Buffalo. Shermer with the Browns, and then with the Giants, and, and Spags with the with the Rams, and then with the Giants. All right, we we were way off track. Um. Yeah, we are. It's fine. We were talking about Kevin Stefanski for like two seconds, I think. <laughs> Debo Debo's gonna love this podcast. Yeah, I mean like this podcast is gonna be like an hour and fifty minutes long. Um maybe split them up into two things. All right, so uh any other props that stand out like any other props you would bet in this game that stand out to you maybe? Um, I haven't looked at any of the props, but I feel like if the Packers want to win. They need to get Aaron Jones involved in the passing game. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not a coincidence that their best offensive games come when he's heavily involved, especially when they get him involved, not just in the screen game, but running routes from the outside. Um, so if you think the Packers are going to win, then I, maybe an over on Aaron Jones catches. Okay. Jamal Williams has a really low rushing yards total. It's like 24 and a half. Yeah, I think the thing with him is, is like, if he's gonna get double digit carries, then yeah, take that, but a lot of times they'll give him two or three carries and five or six targets, and that, at that point it's just unlikely he runs for more than 25 yards. Over, over under Mike Boone, 68 and a half rushing yards. Um, I feel like you gotta go over. I mean, the Vikings love to run, the Packers run defense pretty bad. I mean, unless you think that Amir Abdullah is going to be heavily involved, um, I think you got to go over there. Okay. I, I would agree. I think he'll be um, – Aaron. I saw Aaron Rodgers rushing yards at 10.5. That should be over. He has – in his last four games, he's been running a lot more. He has uh, 14 carries, 76 yards. It's an average of 19 yards per game rushing over his last four games. I wonder if he's scrambling more. I mean, it's – not design runs, I'll tell you that. Right. <laughs> I like that. I like that over on that rushing yards prop at ten and a half. Um Okay, give me a pick. Who you got in this game? I got twenty six twenty one Vikings. Wow. That is oh my god. Are you serious? Did you look at the spread? I saw that it was four and a half, I think. Before you made your right? pick or after? Um I don't remember, honestly. Well the over under is forty seven. And the spread is now five. So you hit both on the head. That is the actual, Hey-o. that is the actual, you said Vikings, right? Not Packers. Yeah, I said yeah. Vikings. That is the actual, uh, predicted score by Vegas, 26-21. You're damn right it is. <laughs> Good job, dudes. Um, last one of the season, didn't hold anything back, found the exact lay, lay score. The uh, That's a great job. I don't Probably the- not a great job because, you know, somebody's got to win or lose money. So <laughs> I don't mind the Vikings uh team total over at 26 and a half either. They scored. Uh, I don't love it. You don't love it. Oh, you don't want well, because you're projecting score, but I mean like they scored 28, <laughs> 28, 27, 30, 20 and 39. 
Like yeah, I could easily see both of these teams scoring a bunch, and I could easily see both of these teams not really scoring at all because it's a it's a game with two defenses that are pretty good, but also very beatable if you do the right things. But two offenses that don't necessarily want to do the right thing. Like the Vikings want to run. You should. I mean, granted, you should probably run on the Packers, but also you should probably pass most of the time uh, in a vacuum. Um, and the, the Packers just have not really been like. The thing that that really drove home for me this game, the Packers just have just been bad on the road. Yeah, um, straight up, and and Rodgers in particular uh, has been bad on the road. I'm with you. I like the pa- I like. I think the Vikings win this by a lot of points and, and really send a message. And uh, then the Packers take the division week 17, but that's okay. All right, dudes, we got to get out of here. Some of us went 35 minutes. We're gonna. I think we're taking a break. We may end up splitting up these podcasts. So if there's a break and Jason Lockett for is after. Great. If not, there's a bonus podcast in your feed. Happy holidays, dudes. Uh, Fire Jason Garrett. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Later. Hey, everyone. This is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time just like me, and also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Fiori gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger, and don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viori.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viori.com slash sports and discover the versatility of Viori clothing.